We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back with everybody. Sorry for the the delay in getting back. Getting back on uh, didn't have a... Didn't do it last Thursday, didn't have an interview last Thursday because I have been uh, sick from my allergies, <clears throat> still getting over it, but a lot better. It's a uh, harvest season, harvest time here in central Illinois, so my allergies have been uh, kicking my butt to say the least, but glad to be back on, glad to talk about college football. So many things have happened since the last episode last Monday, and uh <clears throat> gonna start with uh, the news today of Nick Rolovic being fired at Washington State, and the reason he was fired is because he was refusing to get the co- He is refusing to get the COVID vaccine. The only th- the only things I'm going to say about this because I don't want to get into a political argument with anybody. Um, is I I see both sides of the argument. I really, really do. Um, Washington State University obviously is allowed to to mandate things for their employees as an institution, as a private institution. They're a private employer, so they're well, they're a public school, obviously, but they're allowed to they're allowed to put these things in place. To be employed, but it is also Nick Rolovich. Um, it's also his decision to do what he feels is best for him, and <clears throat> if he feels like not getting the vaccine is what's best for him and his family, then we all need to respect his decision, whether whether we like it or not. We we just need to respect respect that. What's done is done, and move forward, and. That that's that's all I'm gonna say about that topic because I don't like I said I don't want to get into a political discussion about anything. I want to focus on college football, but when a Power Five school in a, in a Power Five conference lets go their lets go of their coach in the middle of the season, it's something that I at least have to discuss. So, um, pretty pretty amazing. Uh, who would have ever thought? this would happen in the world that we live in now. It's just, just an amazing, uh, just an amazing thing that's going on right now. And I uh, hope everybody is safe and healthy. But uh, again, it, again, I see both sides of it, like I said, but let's get back into talking about football. The next coaching, the next coaching uh, decision we, that I want to talk about is something that, that really irks me. Coach O at LSU, he obviously, I think I saw he's nine and eight in the past 
17 games, which of course isn't good by any means, but since that, since that great team left, but this, this culture that we live in of what have you done for me lately is so ridiculous and this, it just has to stop. This man won a national title with arguably the greatest football team ever assembled. It, it, it didn't just happen. Like he recruited those guys. Like he brought those guys in. They came in to play for him. Joe Burrow in an interview yesterday after the game was, you could tell visibly upset or about the situation because coach O made him the man that he is today. He made him the quarterback. He is today. Joe Burrow wouldn't be a number one draft pick. If it wasn't for coach O Jamar Chase wouldn't be the, the number one receiver on his team. If it wasn't for coach O like, <clears throat> Like I said, the culture that we live in of whatever you've done for me lately has to stop. It has to stop. Two or three years ago, this team was the best team in America. Like I said, arguably the best team ever assembled. They lost everyone from that team. Everyone on that team went to the NFL. And the guys that didn't came back in a COVID season, which was a wash season to begin with, really, for, for a lot of teams. But Coach O and that staff at LSU have dealt with more injuries, more season-ending injuries than any program in college football. So to sit here and place all the blame on Coach O and fire him is ridiculous. Now, I understand there are some things coming out from the perspective of him, like with different women on campus bringing their kids and all this and that. And that's a whole nother topic. Um, if... We, we can't say if this stuff really happened or not. We don't know until the truth comes out. I mean, if some of that stuff really happened, okay, I, I can see it. Then you have just cause if he's if he's doing some of those things that that are being talked about. But to fire him just from the football perspective, I feel is just absolutely ridiculous. This, like I said, this team has dealt with more injuries over the past two years than any team in America. And, and it's just, it's... It's upsetting to me that a good coach is getting fired or not fired, but getting bought out. We all know what that means. Okay. Like, yes, he's going to get a huge chunk of money because he's owed a huge chunk of money because he got the giant extension that he deserved after the national championship game. But to sit here, to sit here and say that this man has jugged the program into the ground and all this and that is just absolutely ridiculous. There's, there's nobody who is more Louisiana than Coach O. When you hear his interviews, when he's just like, go Tigers, you're just like, oh my goodness. It's like It's so amazing. It, and he, he's what that institution represents. He is the epitome of that. Like he, it, it's, I, I feel really bad, but at the same time, we all know he's going to be, he's going to be able to pick his next head coaching job or be a, defensive coordinator somewhere. I think the University of Florida would hire him in a second as their defensive coordinator. Um but he he could go be a defensive analyst at Alabama for goodness sake, but like it 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 just upsets me the this the way that, that this whole situation has unfolded and and it's it's just not right. Like I said, if facts come out that some other things have occurred, okay, then then we can look at that and talk about that when it comes when the facts come out but from a football perspective 
don't tell me that this man doesn't get it. Let's move on to another. I, I want to talk about, I have to talk about UConn football. Okay. Saturday, they get their first win of the season. Their first win in a little while. All right. Against Yale, who, who I, I must say, Yale had a heck of a comeback there in the second half, and I have to applaud them. That that young quarterback they had playing at the end of the game there was electric with his feet. That was pretty impressive. But hats off to UConn for getting that for getting that W. Coach Spanos, the rest of the team for for playing for playing well and getting that win. the The one thing I really want to talk about here, though, is everyone on social media just bashing UConn and, and talking about from the perspective of oh they haven't won a game in. 220 221 whatever whatever the number is days it, 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 it's ridiculous okay they didn't play last year guys or no 700 it's 720 or 721 days whatever it is the yeah, 721 i think is what they're saying they haven't they didn't play last year okay so let's stop this notion of 721 days okay they didn't play a game last year Give them a break, for goodness sake. Like It's it's ridiculous to sit there and say that. They had an 11-game losing streak. Like Just say that. Just say they had an 11-game losing streak. That's what happened. That's the facts. Like Quit this notion of 721 days. It's ridiculous. I, I, I'm sick of seeing that. <clears throat> it, but I will say the quarterback play from uh, Krajugzewicz, or however you say, <laughs> I apologize to him and his family, but however you say his last name, he played well in that in that game against Yale. The UConn defense played well. Uh, I was very, very impressed with uh, the way that the defensive line did some really good things. Um, got a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and uh, they just flew around, and, and, and they – they did a they did a really good job. I just have to say that. And the defense forced four four interceptions. Really, really good game for Trey Wortham, who had two of those interceptions. Really, really, uh, really great job for him and uh, the rest of that team. They just, I just want the notion of the seven hundred twenty one game days between wins to just go away. It's it's so ridiculous. But I will continue. I will continue to say this. UConn has such a young roster. There are so many young players on this team that that you just that you just look at and can see the potential. Like Keelan Mary in the wide receiver, he had a big touchdown in that game. That kid's gonna be good. Uh, <clears throat> um, Nathan Carter, the running back, he's gonna be really really good. He had his worst worst game in a while. Only had thirty nine yards on seventeen carries in that game against Yale. Kevin Mensah stepped up and played well, but there's some really, really good young talent on this roster, including Jackson Mitchell, who still leads the nation in tackles. So UConn, this, this coming Friday, they host Middle Tennessee, and Middle Tennessee needs to be ready for this game because they're a 15-point favorite, which I think is a bit ridiculous, honestly. If you're a betting person, take that. Take UConn with that spread. But <laughs> UConn's coming off a good win, and 
I'm excited to see how they respond and if they can get this and if they can get this next game, which I really, really think they can. UConn fans, I wish I could join you for, at the game. I really, really do. And congratulations to my good friend at SSN UConn, Michael Solomon. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, congratulations to him and all of Husky Nation. I've met a lot of really good people uh, through my partnership with Sidelines UConn and uh, just a really good fan base who, who deserve that win um, on Saturday. And there's many more to come. I, I really, really feel that way. I feel like um, getting the right coach is the key. Like I've said this before many times, but getting the right coach at UConn is the key. There is so much potential in that program. And I think I think the sky's the limit, honestly. I really do. And I know some people might laugh at that, but I really, really think something special can be done at UConn. Next thing I want to talk about is probably the surprise team of college football this year, the University of Texas El Paso Miners, UTEP. If if you're if you uh if you haven't already, please follow sidelines UTEP S at SSN underscore UTEP. Great. Uh, I've had great interactions with him and uh, some others in that fan base. Really good people there as well. And uh, really, really happy for them. And I know a lot of people are sitting there saying, oh, they're 6-1, and one, but they haven't played anybody. Well, I don't care. Like, you can only play who's on your schedule. And they've shown up and, and played – and beaten teams and done what they've had to do. They're six and one and they're bowl eligible for the first time in a long time, folks. Like hats off to UTEP to the UTEP miners. From twenty seventeen to twenty twenty, in that stretch, UTEP went five and thirty nine. Five and thirty nine. In twenty twenty one so far they are six and one. That is that is staggering and amazing. And super, super happy for that fan base and that program. Just a great job by the UTEP Miners. And they have a legit chance in Conference USA. They really do. <clears throat> in a couple weeks, they got coming up. UTSA is going to be heading to El Paso. And that's going to be one of the games of the week, honestly. Because UTSA could very well be undefeated still. And UTEP should be... Six and one, seven and one, whatever it may be, but it's like that is going to be a heck of a football game. A heck of a football game for and, and hats off again to the UTEP Miners. Really, really excited for them and what they got going on there. That's that's just it's a it's really cool to see. Next up, I got to talk about some of the amazing things coming out today about the American Conference and expansion. And what and what it might lead to. The, I'm just going to say it right now. What it's going to lead to is bye bye Conference USA potentially, because today it was just it has been announced, or I shouldn't say announced, but there's rumblings going through the media that uh, that the AAC, the the American Conference, is expecting six teams to be applying in this in the next week. Then those six teams being Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Charlotte, Rice, UAB, and UTSA. So really, really amazing to see there that they they would basically just poach the American in 
or Conference USA, I should say. And the conference, and Conference USA might cease to exist after that. Like, if those six teams apply to the American Conference, what does Conference USA have? Well, first off, let's let's look at it from the Americans' perspective. I think everybody with with a functioning brain realizes that UAB and UTSA are great ads. I mean, they'd be great ads for for re- really about any conference at this point at those levels. Um, obviously, not, I mean, I think UTSA would be a really good ad for the Mountain West, but the American makes makes sense as well. Um, it'll be really, really interesting to see that. Um, the other team I think that makes sense out of that is Florida Atlantic. I think I think that's a sleeping giant, really. I think they could become UCF. I really, really do. Like the location is fantastic. They have a great facility, um, and I, I just feel like they could build that into something special, like UCF has. Um, the other three are intriguing. Sorry, I'm pausing to take a drink to, uh, <clears throat> because of just getting my voice back. But, uh, but the other three teams, North Texas, Charlotte, and Rice, very, very interesting. But the reason that those teams are added has to be because of their location. Rice being in Houston, they lose Houston. So they're like, hey, let's add the other team in Houston and Rice. Obviously, Rice's history as a program isn't, especially recently, is not good at all. But still, it make it, it, it. There's people gonna laugh about that, but it makes sense. Um, the other being North Texas. And now, if 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 we go back to North Texas 20 years ago, 20 25 years ago, when they were in the Sun Belt, like North Texas was, like they were unbeatable in the Sun Belt back in the day. I mean, so that's another one in the Dallas in the Dallas Fort Worth area there where that makes sense from a location perspective because you're getting a bigger market potentially. But you're also getting a program who has a history of of being successful. Now, granted, it it's not much of a recent history, but history nonetheless. Then the other, the the final program on that list, the Charlotte 49ers, are are that's such an intriguing program to me because of their location. Being in Charlotte, obviously, it's a great market, but also the way Will Healy has built that program as quickly as he's done it there is very, very impressive. And it's a very fertile recruiting area, obviously, but to still do it the way that he's done it. And I've watched multiple games of theirs this year, and I've been very, very impressed by that football team. They have a very, very legit, they have a legit chance to win the conference USA East. Like they really do. That offense is legit. And, uh, he's a name that I've thrown out as, uh, somebody that, uh, UConn should look at and I would even go as far to say as he would be the guy I would if it was up to me he would be probably the number one guy in my opinion at this point but I I feel like that's another program that's kind of like a sleeping giant of sorts just because of how quickly they've built it and how they've been able to build it and and, and I think they're just going to be able to continue to do it because of the area that they're located in but I think the next thing that needs to be discussed here is what this leads to Conference USA. If all this happens, and, and it's a big if, I mean, because the other thing that happens in this is you have to, I mean, I, I've pretty much heard that Southern Miss 
to to the Sun Belt is basically a done deal. And and I, I would think the Sun Belt would have to offer Marshall. Like you have to think that that offer's coming. Um, it, it, that just makes too much sense. And that would, I mean, those would be huge gets for the Sun Belt. I mean, Southern Miss was in the Sun Belt back in the day. <coughs> but uh, Marshall would be an amazing get just for the the rivalry that they have with uh with App State. I mean that would be that'd be a tremendous get. But if again, if this all happens, it's a big if, but it leads Conference USA with UTEP, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, FIU, and Old Dominion. Which obviously is not uh not ideal from a conference perspective. I, I, I was saying this uh to somebody I work with today, like, what, what's UTEP going to do? I mean, I would think UTEP would be trying to do everything it can now to get into the Mountain West. Um, I feel like, I feel like they've kind of proven themselves from a football perspective. And I think, I think the location makes sense. And I think the Mountain West wants to go into Texas. So I, I think that one, cause they have the proximity with like New Mexico and and I, I just think that one kind of makes sense. But then you look at the other four with Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, FIU, and Old Dominion, and you look at those and you say, where are those Where are those four going to go? And I feel like the only explanation for that would be they either, they either stay in uh, Conference USA and try to rebuild it, or do the four of those try to join the Sun Belt? Or even... Does even like Western Kentucky say, like, hey, Mac, the Mid-American Conference, like we're kind of in your locale a little bit. Like, would you be interested in us? And I know I'm just kind of throwing that out there, but uh, not sure if that really makes sense. But I mean, it, it wouldn't be the craziest thing because Buffalo is in the Mac. So, I mean, it wouldn't be the – and UMass used to be in the Mac too, for goodness sake, as did UCF. So, I mean – it's not like it's not like they're that far of an outlier, but uh, I think Western Kentucky would make sense to the Sun Belt because of they can be a travel partner with Marshall for the other sports, so uh, for like the Olympic sports and stuff. And I, I think that's a big deal looking for travel partners. And I think Middle Tennessee makes sense for the Sun Belt. They used to be in the Sun Belt. FIU obviously used to be in the Sun Belt. Old Dominion makes sense for their location as well, but. The Conference U USA, I think, will still exist in some ugly fashion. And I say ugly because I, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to put it together. I don't know if if New Mexico State would be like, hey, let's get in on that. It, just because it like they, I mean, they would have UTEP as a travel partner if UTEP stayed in the league. Um I think Conference USA would look at UConn and UMass as football-only members. Um, I don't think UConn and UMass would really want anything to do with that from a travel perspective. But I, I think from Conference USA's perspective, it would make sense to uh, to discuss that. But I think I think the way for Conference USA to look at it is they might have to raid the FCS. I think they got to call Jacksonville State, Missouri State, Sam Houston State. North Dakota State, South Dakota State, JMU, um, even Illinois State here in my backyard. I think they're I think they're just gonna have to like try and 
throw something together. And I think they I think they have to beg JMU and Liberty to potentially join the league. Um, again, it, it, I think it could get ugly for Conference USA. I think there's only there's only two ways that this is going to end for Conference USA. It's either going to end with well, there's three ways I guess we could say. The first way being that all of this is a farce and none of this is going to happen and Conference USA is going to stay the same. I don't think that that's the scenario because why would this be reported? I have very good sources that are telling me Southern Miss is basically a done deal to the Sun Belt. I've heard Marshall is very close to that as well. And I would think, especially with the news coming out today with those six institutions <clears throat> going to apply for the American I think that that's going to speed up the process for Marshall, but then it leads those those other schools that I had mentioned: um, UTEP, Western Kentucky, um, Old Dominion, FIU. I think it leads to uh, some interesting di discussions at those institutions. And like I said, I think the the other two scenarios would be. Conference USA still existing in that some sort of ugly fashion, like I like I discussed a little bit ago. Um, I think that's likely. Um, the other being that Conference USA just doesn't exist anymore because they just get raided and and there's nothing there. I, I don't feel like any of the teams in the Sun Belt are gonna say, "Hey, let's leave this for that." I feel like the Sun Belt is in a fantastic position right now to market themselves and sell themselves and get a huge, I don't want to say huge TV deal, but a very good TV deal. Um, obviously the success of Coastal Carolina and what they've done and being America's team and every time they're on TV, people watch. So that's a huge deal for the Sun Belt. App State is another really, really, really good fan base. Really, really good. They're a good football program. Their history is fantastic. Louisiana has been great the past couple years. I mean, it's those three teams have really, really put the Sun Belt on the map and have really built the the image of the Sun Belt and uh, raised it to another level. The next, the next thing I want to get to is uh, my top twenty-five that I released yesterday. Um, I know I know people like seeing that. I get a lot of great interaction with that on social media, and I appreciate people. I appreciate all that. Obviously, some interesting things happened over the weekend. Number one being Iowa getting dismantled by Purdue. But I'll just run through my top 25, my top four right now. Georgia, clearly number one. I don't think that's a question. Since I have Cincinnati at two. Um, Got to keep them there to keep uh, going with my prediction at the beginning of the year that they make the college football playoff. Three, I have Oklahoma. They've been shaky, but they're starting to play better. Number four, I have Alabama. I think you have to put Alabama there. I've said before, and I'll say it again, I think Alabama's running the table, and I think they're going to win the national title. I really do. Number five, I got Ohio State. They're starting to play a lot better, too. Number six, I have Michigan, and they have – Obviously, they've surprised me, but I'm very, very happy being a Michigan fan, but they have surprised me. Number seven, I got Coastal Carolina. <clears throat> As everybody knows, I am 
one of the number one proponents out out on social media talking about the shots and how they deserve an opportunity. This week, they get App State coming to town. or They're going to App State. They're going to Boone. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, and I'm going to go on my rant about that. But give the shots a chance, people. Give them a shot. That's all I'm asking. Number eight, I got Penn State. Number nine, Michigan State. Number ten, Iowa. So there's five teams from the Big Ten in the top in my top ten and in the AP top ten. But I'm there. All these teams are going to beat each other up because obviously four of them are from the East and they, none of, they haven't played each other yet. And it's coming. They're going to battle each other out and they're going to beat each other up. Then number eleven, I got Oklahoma State. Number twelve. I got Ole Miss. <clears throat> let me let me get back to Ole Miss later. I think we all know what happened there, but I'm going to have to discuss that a little bit, obviously. Um, number 13, Oregon. Didn't look good Friday night, that's for sure. However, Kayvon Thibodeau looked fantastic. That young man has to be the number one pick in the draft. <clears throat> number 14, Kentucky. I think Kentucky proved so much against Georgia. Kentucky is legit. Now, they lost to Georgia 30-13. to That might be the closest game Georgia plays all year until they play Alabama. But Kentucky Kentucky might go 11-1, guys. They might go 11-1. That is a really good football team. And, and how many people would have thought that Kentucky, you'd be saying that about Kentucky? Like, fantastic job there by Stoops. What he's done there is nothing short of spectacular. Number 15, I got Notre Dame. I'm still really hesitant about that. 16, I got Wake Forest. Really looking forward to see how they finish the season here. 17, I got SMU. They're another one. Really looking forward to see how they finish the year. Number 18, Texas A&M. 19, San Diego State. They looked ugly Friday night, but they found a way to win. Really excited to see how they end the year. Number 20, NC State. 21, UTSA. Glad to see they're ranked finally in the AP for the first time in program history. That is a good football team, folks, and I really think they're going to run the table. Number 22, Auburn, 23, Baylor, 24, UCLA, and 25, Arkansas, <clears throat> with the next five being Oregon State, Clemson, Louisiana, Texas, and Arizona State. Got to go. Got to throw Purdue in there, too, for that great win they had. But, uh, again, I always love my interactions with uh, – people on social media talking about uh my top 25 i know a lot of coastal fans are really happy but uh nonetheless it's it's a ton of fun every week going on there putting that out there talking about that so now i, I want to talk briefly about what happened between Ole miss and tennessee and i have to first give lane kiffin a ton of credit for how he handled that because that was a mess i mean like it, and the the way he uh, he handled that a heck of a lot better than I would have, and and I give him credit for that because I think we all know that old Lane Kiffin would have been super super childish about that, but he he has matured a lot as a coach and as a man, and he's a very good football coach now, guys. He is he is a really good coach, and uh, Ole Miss is lucky to have him, but any program in the country would be lucky to have Lane Kiffin as their head football coach. I mean he he is good. He is really good now, and I would not have said that five years ago. That's for sure. But uh, <clears throat> Tennessee, the way that they acted, 
was absolutely atrocious and absolutely ridiculous. Like, I I will say, though, I don't want to condone that behavior ever because you don't ever throw things at people. You don't shout the profanities they were yelling. Like, it's a game. It's a football game. Like, yes, it's a lot of fun, and we love it. And obviously, I'm traveling across the country to go to all these games and talk about it for hopefully a living one day. But you can't just sit there and, like, throw a golf ball at Lane Kiffin, throw water bottles full of I, I Lord knows what was in those water bottles. <clears throat> all kinds. Of, like, a full container of mustard. Who, who, like, who had that? Like, this had, was this planned, for goodness sake? But, uh. Absolutely ridiculous, and I. But I don't want to. I'm obviously not condoning this, but SEC officiating has to get better. It has to. It was. It was in a. Dis, it was a disgraceful job done by the officiating crew there, and uh, ha, it has to be better. Like, you can't be the best conference in college football and have incompetent officials, and that's what it looked like during that game. Um. Also, another thing that has to be done, there has to be something done about faking injuries. It, it, it's getting out of hand. Like, it, it's getting out of hand. And, and I don't know what we do if we start penalizing it, but then we run into a gray area where, oh, he was really injured. But it, it's one of those things where I, something's got to be done about it. And uh, just not a fan of that at all. But Tennessee volunteer fan base, you, you, you're better than that. Um. I I don't want to say this because I don't want it to come off wrong, but there's a reason why a lot of people on social media look at Tennessee the way that they do. And the the way they displayed themselves Saturday night did not help that image. Let's just say that. Now let me get to the game of the week. One of the games of the year that I've been talking about all season long Coastal Carolina at App State. I have been looking forward to this game all season. I'm so disappointed that I can't make the trip to Boone. I'm going to do it down the road, obviously. But this this game Wednesday night is going to be really, really good, guys. The, these, there is a rivalry between these two schools. Now, a lot of the rivalry has been created from the fans going back and forth. And I personally feel... More of the rivalry is from the App State side because I feel like they don't like how Coastal has rose so quickly um, and become America's team because App State worked for it, and they worked their butts off to get there. And their tradition at App State is unbelievable, and it's fantastic. And I, and I applaud them for for how they how they built that program and what they've done. Obviously, their fan base has gotten has caught some flack for how they've acted after games and interacting with opposing players and opposing fans. But you can find that in every fan base. Let's just say that first of all, some more than others, of course, but, uh, <clears throat> Tennessee, but, uh, no, I, I digress though, but this game is going to be unbelievable. I see on social media, a lot of people going back and forth, App State and Coastal fans, and they're calling it the Mountain People versus the Beach Chickens, which I think is just unbelievable. It's another Mormons versus Mullets type shirt that that I'm really looking forward to see. I, somebody needs to, maybe, maybe that's something I need to market, the Mountain People versus the Beach Chickens, but I digress. Um, it, but 
guys, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This Coastal Carolina football team is unbelievable. Grayson McCall has been one of the best, not just best quarterbacks in college football, he's been one of the best players in college football. Isaiah likely has been unbelievable. But this this Coastal defense is going to be going up against a really, really good running back in, from App State and Cam Peoples, who, who uh, is a fantastic football player in his own right. And, and all I'm asking, guys, just make sure you turn in, tune into that game Wednesday night. It's going to be fantastic. App State coming off of a very, very bad loss to Louisiana. And I think it now, <clears throat> obviously, everybody's saying, oh, Coastal's finally going to play somebody. And obviously, it doesn't help that App State just got beat the way they did. But App State's going to show up for this game, guys. Like, I guarantee it. This game is a huge game for them. This, this game is for the Sunbelt East uh, division title. Let's just call it what it is. These are by far the two best teams in the East, two of the top three in the in the Sun Belt. Um, and if when I, I, I'm saying Coastal is going to win this game, and when Coastal wins this game, they're going to win out through the year and get to that Conference USA title game against Louisiana, and uh, be a lot of fun to see. But make sure you tune into that football game Wednesday night, 6.30 ESPN2, going to be a great football game. You will not be disappointed. Now i got to spend the rest of the show concluding here. I went to Camp Randall Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin this past Saturday for Army West Point against Wisconsin. First time I've ever been to Camp Randall. Driven by it before. I've been to the Wisconsin campus a handful of times. Uh, my wife's family all lives in the Madison area. They're all huge Wisconsin fans. Actually, one of her cousins, Mike Wilkinson, is in the Wisconsin Hall of Fame for his for his uh, ability as a basketball player. He played overseas for a long time. Um, but so Wisconsin is a huge, huge thing on her side of the family. It's a huge deal, and and I look really look forward to going back to Madison in the future bringing my wife, bringing my kids, going with her family members, because what a fantastic experience Camp Randall is. Now, I understand Wisconsin's product on the field this year isn't like Wisconsin standard. Graham Mertz has not played well at quarterback. He had two rushing touchdowns in the game I was at, but he didn't throw the football very well. He had a good deep ball one time, but other than that, like it wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't what you expect from Wisconsin, let's just say that. But uh, really, really, really impressed by the uh, Army Knights. My goodness, guys. There, there, there's a reason why every young man on that sideline should be applauded and gets their hands shaken by all of the opposing players after every single game. Because you look at those guys at Army West Point, and they are smaller than every single person that they're going up against. Like those guys in Wisconsin were huge. Like Wisconsin's defensive linemen were huge compared to Army's offensive linemen. Wisconsin's linebackers were huge compared to the running back and quarterback. But those guys at Army do not back down. They don't stop playing. They, those young men need to be applauded for just never giving up. And I wouldn't expect anything less because they're the United States Army, for goodness sake. If they did give up, I think we, that's when we should really be concerned. But again, like so, so impressed by by that program and just 
I mean, the the game was over, really. It was 20-7. to 7. They come down the field. Um, <clears throat> in the first half, they had 48 yards of total offense. Like, like it, it was ugly in the first half. Like, Wisconsin was up 13 to nothing. It should have been more than that. But, but uh, like I said, Wisconsin didn't really play great. But it, it was still a really fun game to be at. But, uh, like I said, Army had 48 yards of total offense. But then they came out in the second half. Instead of trying to jam it up the middle, they started going to the outside. And their quarterback completed five of six passes for 87 yards, which for them, I mean, he, I saw a stat that he had attempted five passes the whole season before that. Um, so really amazing thing there. But uh, Jabari Law, Laws, was the quarterback, and he did a fantastic job. He ran the ball pretty well, um, but the way they were get those sweep options off to, off uh, to the uh, to the side there was amazing. They were able to extend it out, and I was just really impressed by how they attacked in the second half. But Laws threw a pass with about forty five seconds left to get the ball down to about the five yard line. That was tremendously defended by Wisconsin but this ball the ball he threw I mean for for a quarterback in the triple option from Army it was a perfect pass it was beautiful I mean just a beautiful ball I put it in the perfect spot where it could only his guy could get I mean it was fantastic it was better than any ball Graham Mertz threw the whole game I mean it was I was extremely extremely impressed by that and I mean, as everybody knows, whenever you play Army, you're probably going to get your career high in tackles and Leo Chanel and and at linebacker and uh, their other linebacker uh, Sanborn, Sanborn had 17 total. Chanel had 17 total tackles. Sanborn had 12. But uh, just really, really good football game. And and, and I have to say. I have to say, folks, um, you you have to experience Camp Randall Stadium, if for no other reason to witness the student section. The student section is what got me through the first half of that football game. I'm going to be honest. The first half of that football game was pretty dull and pretty boring. But the student section at the University of Wisconsin is second to none. They get there a little late. They get there a little late. I've heard that before, and they did. Like The student section wasn't full until – probably midway through the second probably started the second quarter midway through the second quarter but once they were there oh my goodness like they're they got their flashlights out on their phone they're singing songs and during during timeouts and media timeouts they're playing music and then they cut the music off and the entire stadiums just start singing it, it, it it's an amazing thing to witness uh just to see all those flashlights just lighting up the place I would have loved for them to shut off the stadium lights when that happened. That that would have been amazing. That would have been really cool to witness. But I think the the thing that everybody talks about when it comes to Wisconsin student section and Camp Randall Stadium is jump around. Like everybody talks about it, and and, and you hear about it, and uh, you read about it, and you see it on TV, and you're like, wow, that looks amazing. And it was something that I was really, really looking forward to witnessing. And Guys, it lives up to the hype. I, I cannot I cannot explain to you how exhilarating that is to be in that atmosphere, to be with seventy five, seventy six thousand people that are just losing it. Uh, 
and even even the army fans, even the way fans are doing it too. Like it it, it is, and, and obviously army is a different opponent where like you're everyone's connected to it and cheering for them because of who they are and what they're doing and what they're going to do. So I think that makes a little bit of a difference too. Maybe if I went to a Big Ten game, maybe the Penn State or Iowa fans aren't jumping around, but but. <laughs> I have to say, folks, it, every listener, you need to make a trip to Madison, Wisconsin, just to experience the student section. Unbelievable. I cannot wait to go back. Like I said, my wife's whole family is from up there. They live up there, and and uh, whole, her whole mom's side of the family is from that from that neck of the woods. So it's it's definitely going to be a place that I go back to, really look forward to it. Obviously growing up in Michigan, growing up in Big Ten country, living in Illinois now, like these Big Ten environments are things I've seen on TV my whole life. And I've witnessed a handful of them now in person. But uh, I have to say that Wisconsin trumps Michigan in every sense of the word. Um just the student section at the University of Wisconsin is it's it's unbelievable guys I, I I hope I hope that you can understand the passion that I'm speaking about that and I I, I really hope that everybody is able to experience that and and I would love to experience it again in a big 10 setting where they're playing against somebody where the game is a big deal I, I would love to go there when they're playing Iowa for a, the big 10 West division title just to see how amazing that would be um but like i said just amazing guys and you, you need to make the trip to madison you need to go to madison for one the madison the, the the nightlife um just the area the lake um if if you partake in drinking there's not going to be much better place than Wis than wisconsin in general but especially a college town like madison like it it, it is second to none guys like I, 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 I gotta say, I've been to Ann Arbor many, many times, been to the big house many, many times. The big house is different because of how big it is and what it, what it means to college football and all sports, but Camp Randall stadium and jump around is something that everybody on this planet needs to witness and be a part of. It's just amazing. And I have to end the show. Uh, I met Andrew from, from the college football tour guys. Follow the college football tour on, on Twitter. Andrew is very, very close to completing the tour of attending all 130 FBS stadiums. He is a Wisconsin graduate, and he attend. He, this past Saturday was his 120th game at Camp Randall Stadium, which is just amazing to me, and it's that's that's so cool. But it's so great to meet him. I can't wait to. Uh, to meet him again down the road in another stadium and another venue and connect more. Just really great guy. Like I said, he's do, he's doing the same thing I'm doing, but he's much further along the process than I am. But uh, yeah, give him a follow college football tour on Twitter. Just really, really fun stuff there. He's at a different place every weekend. Um, like I said, really, really cool guy. Again, guys, thank you for listening, tuning in. Sorry I wasn't able to do a show last uh, Thursday going into Friday, but um, like I said, my allergies got the best of me. But, uh, again, uh, Husky fans, you can look for my game my game uh, insight for uh, every game this year 
at SSN underscore Yukon at sidelines Yukon. Be putting those out every week. Um, really, really enjoy doing that guys. And, uh, again, feel free to reach out to me. Let's interact. Let's, uh, really, really looking forward to my next visit, wherever that may be this week. I'm not going to a game. I don't have, I can't go this week, but, uh, really looking forward to the next venue, wherever that may be. You can, you interact with me through the, uh, Twitter account for the podcast at TNT college foot one. Love to talk, love to interact with everybody. You can also interact with me on my personal account at coach underscore B will. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Have a good night. God bless.